This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Knock, knock, hi. Knock, knock, hi. Welcome to Knock Knock High with the Glock. I feel like I came in a little bit too hot. It's a little there. jelly. <laughs> hey, Knock Knock High. <laughs> I am Dr. Glock and Flecken. I am Lady Glock and Flecken. And we're talking music today. That's we're talking right. about music and medicine and comedy and like all the things, but uh, a lot about music because we have a very special guest. Yes, this lots is, of people asked oh, for this. Oh man, one. so many people have asked us to have. Uh, violin MD, Dr. Shaban Deshower, uh, a YouTube, uh, a huge name in the medical YouTube uh, realm, whatever you, sphere, community, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. She is a staple and makes unbelievable content. Yes. Had a really, really great conversation uh, about making content, about uh, her background. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is it's fascinating because she was a professional violinist, violinist yeah. turned internal medicine rheumatologist. Uh, YouTube, right. you don't hear that creator. very often. That's a very unique and combination. It, she it, may be the only one, may, possibly, possibly <laughs> the only violinist <laughs> rheumatologist, rheumatologist YouTuber. Now, it did make me think. Talking to her made me think about my own experience mm-hmm. in music. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, uh, you get to hear me sing a little bit with. Kind of, not really sing. If you can call it that, I don't know if you can call it. Yeah, that's later you in the episode. You made some noise. I made noises <laughs> with your mouth hole. <laughs> <laughs> so we both have a background in instrument playing. Yeah, we both come from pretty musical families. That's actually. right. Yeah. My dad uh, was a trombone player in high school and college. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Texas Tech Going Band from Raiderland, mm-hmm. and. I played trombone and my brother played trombone. We all have very long arms. Well, and your brother. So trombone is a very natural thing for us. That's true. And my brother is a, a my younger brother is. He took a, it the farthest. Yeah. He actually majored in trombone performance, music performance, and is a band director. And he Super also cool. was in the Golden Band from Raiderland. He was also in there. I was the only one that that tapped out. And I, I, I peaked in high school. I decided I didn't want to do, you know, play an instrument anymore. Um, well, you had enough hot air. You could have made it work. Ooh, nice. <laughs> That's good. I said, are you thinking that because we just went to the hot air balloon festival? It could be. You it's got hot air on your on mind. Fresh on my mind. Yeah. And you were a flute player. I was a flautist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that's probably on my top five most annoying instruments to listen to. <laughs> How dare you? I'm sorry to all the flute players, but I just I don't know. Something about the the high pitch. The I don't know. I just no, it's got the not full. Musical range. On I'm, a flute. I'm impressed by flute players because it seems really hard because you got I have some fast fingers, real fast fingers. Yeah, trombone uh, is much more of like a gross instrument. It's just gross movements, you yeah, know, big room in and out kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, not gross like disgusting. Although the spit valve is pretty <laughs> disgusting, <laughs> we'll say. Don't you have a spit valve too? No. 
you're blowing air. It's it just stays in the flute, and then you have a little a little yeah, still brush clean it out. that you put in there that it just absorbs it all. You never really have to deal with it too mm. much. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's not actually spit so much, maybe a little bit, but it's like condensation. Yeah, right. right. I think that's what's coming I mean, out there's got to be some spit in there. Too, <laughs> it's a little bit of spit. <laughs> and and anyway. Well, this took a turn. Yeah. So the point is. <laughs> you know where is... there's no spit is in violins. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's one of the. <laughs> Unless you're really doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We've been recording for loopy. quite a while today. All right. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, let's, should we get to our guest? I think we'd better. I think we do. People are tired of hearing us talk about our own instruments. Uh, do you miss playing the flute? I do sometimes. Yeah. I, I you really, no, yeah, I really do sometimes. Do yeah. you still have that? No, I gave it to my brother cause he, oh. he's the, the musical savant in our family. He's the one that gotcha. took it the farthest. Um, he can play all sorts of instruments. He's in like bands in Austin or I don't know if he still is. He's got, he's got a he's kid now and another one on the way. So he's busy doing other things, but. Hey, if, if you guys know the people listening, which uh, instruments we should get our kids doing, anybody mm-hmm. have any recommendations? Anybody have any things they think are. I want them to do piano. They've got your long fingers. So mm-hmm. I, and they piano. both have like, you know, dabbled in it. So. Yeah, we do have a keyboard. I always wished I could play piano and I tried, but my fingers are too short. Yeah, you got. Little, little stubby sausages. <laughs> they are. They're like I think I think I, I think I mentioned that in our vows. I think yeah, probably. I was like when I went with actually, this ring also on went, your sausage finger. <laughs> that's right. I went. I actually went to the jewelry store. Is like, well, listen, my wife. She's got these sausage fingers. Mm-hmm. What they're would really you recommend? They're small, but they're still sausages. I but I it's very. Uh, it was it wasn't just the the fingers. It was also. Uh, Find me the cheapest ring yes. that still looks nice. I think we're nice. still paying that off because you used your med school loan. I loans. did. I used a med school <laughs> loan to pay. Okay, we're really talking about a lot of things here. But anyway, yes, uh, to wrap that up, I did pay for your engagement ring mm-hmm. with a med student, med school We loan. had no other choice. That's all we had. So at this point, the ring, which at the time I think cost, it costed like 1200 bucks, I believe it was, which was the most money I'd ever spent yeah. at that point in my life. Uh, but with interest and everything, it's probably like thirty-seven thousand dollars. Right. So that is still think, the most expensive thing I've ever I think I need an upgrade. Bought. Then it does not look like a thirty-seven thousand dollar ring. All right, I mean, let's get to our ring, guest. But... Um, all right, so here is doc, so Doctor uh, Shaban Shower, again known as Violin MD on YouTube. Definitely check her out. Uh, fantastic content. Uh, originally concert professional concert violinist. And now a, a uh, an internal medicine and rheumatologist in Canada practices in Ontario. So let's get to it. Here is Dr. Deshauer. All right, we have Dr. Shaban Deshauer. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, you is are. That right? Yeah. I want to make <laughs> sure I get your one. last name. Okay. All right. <laughs> Wait, well, you're speaking. You're speaking to Dr. Glockenflecken here. So, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm I'm no I'm no stranger to strange names. But um, uh, so we're so excited to have you on. Thank you for joining us, a, a YouTube extraordinaire here, um, and uh, someone that I've been watching on YouTube uh, for quite a while now. So thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. I would say the same thing about you guys. I've watched so many of your videos and finally chatting with you. It's fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I will say uh, that right before we got on and started talking with each other, um, I was watching a video where somebody's uh, spleen died after going to the dentist, uh, which I found quite fascinating. 
I knew oh. you would like that one. <laughs> it's one of your videos <laughs> from, I don't know how long ago it was, but uh, if you remember making that one. I do. Uh, yeah, I love the storytelling. The um, uh, Your content is just, it's really fascinating. You can tell how engaged your audience is as well. So congratulations on all of the success that you've had building up your YouTube channel. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, definitely one of these things that you start out and you have no clue where things are going to end up and such a fun iterative process. Let's start there. What what was the cuz I know you started your your social media content, your presence as a first year resident. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it that kind of sent you on that path? Yeah, great question. I mean, you think I have a really good answer at this point, but like most big decisions in life, there's not one moment that kind of led me there. Um Instead, I think going through medicine, especially as like a a non-traditional student, I came from a a violin background as a professional violinist before, and then switching things up, going into medicine, I was so often texting my friends saying, did you know like this about our body? Or did you know this could happen? And a lot of my friends, non-medical were like, what the heck? I had no idea. And I started thinking, okay, well... (laughs) we're not the only ones who didn't know these things. It'd be really cool to somehow spread this and then also be able to sort of, I don't know, mark or take moments to to pause in this journey and really reflect on it. Because as you guys know, I mean, it is, you're seeing life, death, excitement, horror, and you're trying to process all of it. So I thought this would kind of be a way. And at first I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll start a blog, you know, I'll write about it. But that sort of felt like a school assignment and nothing ever felt perfect enough to put out there. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, what am I going to do? So I thought, well, what about a video? I'd never edited a video in my life, but I filmed myself a lot as a violinist. You know, you film yourself performing, watch it back. And so I felt oddly comfortable just talking on camera. Um, and so I thought, okay, maybe this is the way to do it and didn't think much of it. Um, I, you know, just, just gave it a shot and figured the beginning of residency was the beginning of this next part of this crazy journey. So it felt like a good time. Well, you you tapped into something that I think a lot of, a lot of people in medicine who are starting to make content have, have figured out, which is there's a huge gap, knowledge gap between Mm -hmm. the general public and like what we all know as physicians. Right. And and it, I think it takes um, uh, a lot of uh, time and, and, and energy to figure out how to bridge that gap, uh, which is something I think you do really well. Like nobody knows about eyeballs. I mean, yeah. nobody, <laughs> n- not even non-ophthalmologists know about eyeballs, but and just like I don't know anything about rheumatology. But uh, um, I think trying to, to, to take what we know about the human body, right, and and turn it into something that is digestible for the general public is so important. Uh, and, um, is that your, is that your approach when you make a video? Is that what you're going for? Yeah, I think it's a combination of trying to be, I don't know, maybe transparent. Like when I think about healthcare, so much happens behind closed doors and, you know, I very much remember, not having much of a clue about what goes on in a hospital. It doesn't feel like that long ago. So, and even the language, right? We take years to learn this language ourselves. And I remember what it was like not Mm -hmm. to understand that stuff. Um, And we're often dealing with such scary things, right? Like death and, you know, a disease that will affect your life, your quality Mm -hmm. of life. And so I think finding a way to make this 
less scary, open up the doors, whether that means bringing a camera into the hospital and saying, okay, yeah, like we're people, we're doing the best we can. We're eating pizza in the back room while we're working, you know, like all of these experiences bring people in rather than Mm -hmm. keeping those doors closed. And then in that process, being able to speak to a general audience, because that's what I love. You know, I love being able to, to talk in a way that people are going to understand. And I love the feedback you get from that. It's really starting a conversation. Yeah. And you said something that I think is so important, which is that you remember what it felt like not to know those things. And I think that is uncommon when you're dealing with, you know, people who are experts in their field, whether it's medicine or something else, you know, there's this idea of the curse of knowledge, which is that you forget what it's like to not know what you know. Mm -hmm. And I've encountered that a lot as a patient, right? Of, you know, sometimes, you know, when we're getting updates, like for example, when he was in the ICU and um, they would give me some daily updates, I was at home because of COVID. um, So I'd get a phone call and they'd tell me some things, but I had all these questions about the parts they didn't tell me, Mm -hmm. right? Because to them, they already knew okay, we've ruled out certain things as a concern. And so those are just kind of not worth talking about, right? Unless they had been a concern and there'd been some test, right? But just the things that they knew right off the bat were not a concern. Well, I didn't know that, Mm -hmm. you know, or I didn't know what the language is. So I think that is so important um, because when physicians don't, you know, what, what you don't say is as important as what you do say, because if patients are wondering about things and you don't address it, it leaves us to our imagination and to misunderstandings and misinformation. So I think that's really awesome that you still remember that and incorporate that into your videos. Yeah. I mean, I think the big challenge is going to be now going forward, trying to hold on to that. And I think maybe that's one of the benefits (laughs) of kind of like being in this YouTube world now is that I've got a a bit of a check because I get to see in the comments, what did that mean? What did you mean by that? And it goes, oh, right. Okay. Right. You know, the viewers are generally helping me kind of keep that mindset. And I'm I'm grateful for that because it is so easy to slip into jargon and think everyone knows that, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Even words like code, right? I didn't know what it meant to code. But oh, uh, people kept saying that and, and it just was confusing, you know, so we need a lot more of that in, in healthcare. people that that remember, you know, what it's like not to know and, and how to talk to people who are beginners in this area. And yeah. I wish you never knew what that I was. Also get... <laughs> oh, I know. I yeah, know. <laughs> I, I also get content ideas from my from my comment section on social media. So. It's, yeah, uh, right. It's great. Uh, in fact, sometimes they people people yeah. So sometimes people comment things, and I'm like, oh man, that's a good joke. I wish I would have put yeah. that in my in my <laughs> skit. Uh, it's uh, uh, somewhat infuriating at times, but uh, much appreciated. <laughs> that's why I think YouTube is so special, right? It's a it's a fun um, it's a fun community where you can have a little bit more back and forth and and hear your audience's thoughts on what you what it is you're creating. I feel like you don't get that as much in on some of the other platforms. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So hopefully kind of we get to see how the public thinks and then we get to share maybe how doctors think and we can kind of bridge that gap a little bit because often it can feel yes. massive. <laughs> so I, I don't want to gloss over like the, something you mentioned earlier. You just kind of threw it out yeah. there. Like it was like, oh yeah, I used, I used to be a violinist. I used to be a professional <laughs> violinist, uh, you know, whatever, no big deal. It's just like a thing I did. I just like, you're going to check the mail. Uh, and so uh, I, I, I've been wanting, 
this is one thing I've been wanting to talk with you about and why I was so excited to have you on uh, because I think, um, God, we need like artistry and creativity and medicine and people that, that have that experience, I think is so valuable. So can you tell us about, uh, well, first of all, how old were you when you started playing violin? Oh, I had one of those tiny, tiny violins. I was four and a half, five years old, you know, like basically just like a tiny squeak as you're trying to play. <laughs> Our 11 year old is interested in violin. And so we're, oh. we're probably going to go that route. How difficult was it for your parents to listen to you hmm. uh, learning to play the violin? Good question. Oh my goodness. You know what? They, they will probably tell you that it was a joy, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> um, I, I was so lucky that both my parents were incredibly supportive of it. Um, my mom was always the one practicing with me, like when I was little. So I think she got the brunt of, I don't want to, and all that <laughs> attitude. Whereas my dad is a super accomplished pianist. And so we grew up, like I grew up playing with him all the time. So he got the fun part of going up and performing and getting all the applause. But right. my mom is really the, <laughs> the unapplauded one who should get the credit for getting me to actually practice when I was young. Yeah. Isn't that how it always goes? Right? Exactly. So, so, so you, at some point you made the decision to pursue uh, the violin as a profession. And, yeah. and so how long, I guess, how old were you? Like, when did that happen? And how long did you, you know, do you know, be, be a professional? How long did you work as a professional violinist trying to figure out how to say this? <laughs> I um, think you yeah. just stroked out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long did you do this before deciding to switch gears? Yeah. Well, you know what? A pretty long time, because if you think about it, it's not as much. I mean, your career really starts even when you're still back in high school, when you're competing, you're leading orchestras, you're playing concertos with orchestras, it just was so much a part of my life. Like I was so fortunate to be able to travel around the world with my violin and play and meet people. And it just enriched my life so much. And it was such a big part of my identity too. Like I was Siobhan, who was kind of the, had, you know, the funny spelling name who played the violin. Like that is, you know, how you would identify <laughs> me. <laughs> and, um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Met so many cool people, learned so much about myself. And so going to university, mm. it, I mean, I did consider, do I want to pursue music, but it didn't feel like a difficult decision. I knew I was trying to reach a certain level. Like, um, I think I would describe it as you sort of dream the sound that you want to create. And I was so focused on being able to create that sound, to be able to be comfortable on stage, like get to that place. Um, so it was a no brainer. I was like, of course I'm going to study. And I wanted to study with one particular professor, Mauricio Fuchs. It was like my dream. I ended up going down to Indiana university, phenomenal experience. And I was got to like see sororities, wow. fraternities up close. It was like legally blonde in real life. <laughs> um, totally different culture than Canada. <laughs> um, but it yeah. was great. It was great. And I was, I don't know. I was so focused. It almost felt like I was just underwater and just like, you know, couldn't hear anything else. Just this one thing in front of me. And then there was this point and I don't know exactly when it was that it almost felt like I came up like out of the water and looked around at this huge, big world and thought, wow, there is so much out there. And 
I have been a violinist. That's been such a main part of my life for so long. And when I'm on stage, I don't know if it is all at all similar with in, when comedy it might be different because you're getting more input back from the audience, but mm-hmm. I felt sort of separated from the audience. And I know the impact mm-hmm. that music has like on me, on other people. It's so profound. And there was something telling me that I wanted to, ah, I don't know the right word, like to have more of a, a direct impact or engage with people in a different way. I was sort of ready for something different. And I didn't know that different thing was me, like was medicine. At first, I was just sort of figuring out how am I going to have this conversation with my professor because it's such a challenge. So it was really only in the last year of my undergrad that I really started thinking about switching to something else. And then I moved back to Canada and decided to try out different things. So I worked with the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, got to go on tour with them. It was meet amazing musicians and really kind of be steeped in that. But at the same time, down the, down the road, I was going and taking science courses at University of Toronto. And um, I actually pitched a research idea to this surgeon because, of course, I thought with my hands, if I'm going to do anything, I'll probably be a surgeon. Um, and I uh-huh. <laughs> decided to interview like people who had done similar switches. I wish I'd included comedians, but I included sort of military personnel and um, professional athletes, professional musicians to look at what what kind of skills did you learn in those other fields that you're bringing to your medical practice. Um, And after talking to all these really cool people, like doing amazing things, uh, I just thought, wow, this is what I want to do. Medicine is awesome. And I applied to, to medical school and was fortunate enough to get in. So yeah, it was it was uh, not a, not not certain. You know, I hear a lot about a lot that's of people awesome. who just knew that's what they wanted to do, but it took me a while. Yeah, well, uh, it, from a from a comedy standpoint, you know, uh, if you feel disconnected from your audience, you're having a bad time <laughs> uh, telling jokes because yeah. it's very much you need you need some you need some laughs whenever you're telling jokes on stage. I don't. That's why, like for me. Uh, the pandemic, one of the re- one of the ways it was so challenging because I was like, I was like doing these speaking engagements, uh, and all I was I was just telling jokes into a webcam Ooh. with everybody in the audience on mute, and so it was oh. just like nothing, no feedback whatsoever. So I, I, but I can relate to you in terms of just enjoy, you know, just enjoying being on stage and and performing and and doing that in front of an audience. Do you still get the opportunity to do that? Yeah. Yes and no. Um, I would say that in medical school, (laughs) I was better at the balance. And then like I still played with orchestras throughout my training and um, sort of set up concerts at um, nursing homes, at the hospitals, like doing that type of thing and um, and put on some chamber music concerts as well. But as I went through training and then COVID hitting, it just Ah, so much petered out. And so this is my first year of freedom out of residency. So this is the first year of, of feeling like I'm really yeah. getting back into it. And and I'm so grateful for that. So you um you did your where did you do your residency? Uh McMaster University here in Ontario, Canada, for those of you, okay. you know, up that place up north. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. That's a, it's a it's a big place up north. Yes, yes. Um and so and and so you finished your this is your rheumatology training that you finished is that right 
Yes, exactly. I don't know if it's the same in the States. I think it is where you do three years of internal medicine and then I do two years of rheumatology after that. Yeah. What drew you to rheumatology in particular? Um, I think probably the mystery, the medical mysteries. Like I really loved that. Um, and within rheumatology, you don't you you still look at people as as a whole, like all the organ systems. No offense, but I wasn't I wasn't keen on just like going down into one eyeball or <laughs> <laughs> ignoring the rest. No, no, I know you guys look at the rest of the it's body, okay. but <laughs> you know, I, I liked, I know people think of rheumatologists as arthritis doctors. And yes, often joints and joint inflammation will bring you in the door, but I mean we're dealing with conditions that affect the whole body. So I liked that I was get I get to pull things together. I like the population. And I always found in the hospital, I don't, I, I always found that when there was some mystery case that no one could figure out what was going on, there was always infectious diseases, hematology, yeah. and rheumatology. And so you kind of get to come in and try to pull pieces <laughs> oh, yeah. together. And I just loved it. I loved it. And still do. <laughs> That's that. That's yeah. That's why we love you. That's why we love what you do because I love sending medical like, mysteries to you know. people like rheumatologists and infectious disease specialists. Uh, uh, so I, I'm glad we have somebody yeah. that loves to take those those types of things. And on. I only recently learned what rheumatologists do, but I have a newfound appreciation for them because I have you know I am somewhere on the hypermobility spectrum. Uh, somewhere that's that's not good. So oh, I, see. Um, yeah. I have recently discovered how much rheumatologists know about that. So that that uh, really piques my interest that you <laughs> you chose that for your specialty. Yeah, it is so broad, isn't it? From like mobility to joints to weird yeah. rashes, like <laughs> it's kind of this mishmash of a lot of things, right? Yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of weird rashes, actually, <laughs> you uh, uh, told us a little bit about yourself yes. here. Uh, I love I love when people are an open book like you, and you just like, <laughs> hey, let me tell you about this mysterious rash that I had uh, oh my while I was on the my ICU rotation. <laughs> oh, what a oh man, what a nightmare! You can imagine. So like, ICU is stressful enough, and this you're you know you're always gowning up right? You're always getting into like hot rooms and the hospital scrubs. I hadn't yet bought my own scrubs. I was kind of like pandemic time, but this was before then. Thin, tiny, thin scrubs that they give you at the hospital. And I would sweat through them. And so I was like, this is so embarrassing. You're not supposed to sweat. Oh gosh, I need to like, you know, do something about this. So I got this, some ad on Instagram and I thought, okay, maybe I'll try it out. It's this shirt that had some like padding that goes under your arms. I was like, okay, perfect. Yes, that's it. Exactly. I think. I'm pretty sure that was it. I and have those too. <laughs> do you? Okay. It worked like a charm, right? Yeah, it was fantastic. I could like mm -hmm. wear all the, you know, silk shirts, out, even out of work that I loved. Um, yeah. But then I got this rash under my arm and I thought, okay, well, as good as Numi as you know, it must be because of this. So I'm tossing this. That must be the issue. But it stuck around. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm supposed to be this person who loves mysteries. I'm going to sort this out. Um, so I bump into a dermatologist and he says, okay, yeah, no problem. I'm, you know, he, I know him, did a rotation with him. He says, come in, I'll come, come in before 8am and I'll squeeze you in and take a look. And I have to say, I know it's unfair. I'm really lucky to have the kind of curbside consult for yourself. Yeah. I, I'm really grateful. <laughs> um, he took a look and he's like, yeah, yeah, it's dermatitis. I'm like, 
okay, yeah, it's inflammation of the skin. I can see that too. Like what's causing it? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. Um, so basically the short answer is, well, we're not quite sure. Here, give, take some prednisone. Here's a cream. And it was like a pretty hefty dose of prednisone, which I normally give to patients. So I know the risks and it's like, okay, I'll give it a try. I'm sure that'll clear it up. So I try it out and lo and behold, it doesn't go away. I'm like, what the heck? A rash that's not going away with prednisone? Are you kidding me? What's happening? So, yeah, okay. that's, that's, that's right? what, that's the way rashes are supposed that's to a, behave, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so what it is, what is like, if it's not, uh, if prednisone doesn't work, what do we do? We usually move towards antibiotics, right? It's just how things work. <laughs> so I end up, um, I was actually sort of researching away, going on PubMed, trying to figure this out. At that time, this was as I was prepping for our wedding, actually. So I was wedding dress shopping and I had this horrible rash and I feel obligated to tell people it's not contagious. I'm so sorry. Awful. Um, so I am desperate to find an answer. So I'm searching around PubMed and I find this article that was linking the keto diet to these kind of like keto rashes. And... Um, Okay, well, I was trying keto, I must admit, at that time, pre-wedding. So I, I figured, okay, well, I'll up my carb count. And it did go away. But if I missed a meal or like if I just got busy or carbs dropped or something, the rash would come back with a fury. And so I found this article that was saying, well, maybe huh. taking an antibiotic. And it was this, they did this cohort study in Japan. And I was like, okay, I printed it off. And I was in a different city because I was on elective there. And I went to a walk-in clinic with my article and was like, I would like to try this. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, had this discussion and the doctor was kind enough to say, okay, yeah, let's give it a try. So I took that. And again, no improvement. I was like, what the heck? What is happening here? Hmm. So in oh, the end, I did, I did exactly what I told all my patients not to do, which was to start looking more broadly. You Googled. At Yes, Google. Exactly. I found like, I found this, you know, not a bad website, but not like a reputable one. It's not peer review. This is not research articles. Someone was just saying, well, we found that with keto rashes, people have are eating really high fat content and they're not sometimes eating enough protein. So I went back and like calculated all my protein that I was eating. And I thought, wow, OK, my protein is actually quite low. So I bumped it up and lo and behold, the rash disappeared. I was like, Okay, why? Really? <laughs> what is going on? So I like I looked, and this is where I'm still at. Like I still. So if anyone out there knows, like tell me because I don't I don't have a better answer <sighs> yeah, than if protein increasing the protein made it go away. Okay. But I've got to say, it gave me. Okay, Shaban. If yeah. hold, if, if 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 let's be honest. If if you can't figure this out. <laughs> As the rheumatologist yeah. and the maybe here. there's a hematologist yeah. or yeah. what was the other one? The infectious disease. Yeah. Let's get them all together in one room. Yeah, and Do figure your out your mysterious rash. It's like the Avengers of medicine. Yes, yes, please assemble for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my gosh! But like seriously, I feel that is for so bizarre. Patients when they come in, right? When it's something that's not life threatening. Like I think I've got quite a lot of faith in medicine when it's life-threatening it's something big and bad showing up on your blood work we're pretty good at figuring it out but these things are just annoying and that affect your quality of life but mm -hmm. there's nothing really tied to it it's it's humbling to realize that we don't yeah. have the answers and especially someone who likes to solve mysteries that's like a humbling experience so yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah i've had that experience a lot as a 
I only recently realized that I was, you know, I mean, I've known I was hypermobile my whole life, but I didn't know that would cause all these problems, right? And so, yeah, I've had a, plenty of times where I've gone in with something and the answer is basically, I don't know. Well, I'm, I, and, and I'm a walking mystery. <laughs> yeah, my, I don't know why. I just don't know why my heart started, decided to like, uh, you know, short circuit. For, yeah. But, you know. Really? I don't know. You never got an just answer? throw no, 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 no idiopathic. N- never got an answer. Um, oh my and, gosh! You know, it is what it is. I guess I've got wow. my little defibrillator here. It's going to save the day if it goes off again. But um, you know, we need to give that thing a name. Uh, <laughs> do, we, do, we, do we have to name it? I don't know. It's got to be part of the Avengers. <laughs> do you have any suggestions? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but you know, so, I don't know. Sometimes we just we have to just throw our hands up and be like, you know, we've we've done everything we can try to figure out what's going on, but. You know, we just don't have an answer and we can try to mitigate, you know, it from happening again or, you know, treat it the best we can. But there's lots of mysteries in medicine we still can't figure out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's for that's for people smarter than me, though. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with uh, Dr. Shaban. Hey, Kristen, have I ever told you about Demodex? I'm afraid. The little eyelid mice. Oh, gosh, no, don't do that. Ugh. I'm just saying, if you've ever had red, itchy, irritated eyes, it could be Demodex blepharitis. You might have some little friends on your eyelids. They're not quite this big. Well, that's comforting. To find out more, though, you can go to eyelidcheck.com. That's E-Y-E-L-I-D-check.com to find out more information about Demodex blepharitis. Don't freak out. Get checked out. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX for short. This is AI-powered ambient technology. It just sits there in the room with you, just helps you be more efficient, and it helps with uh, reducing clinical documentation burden. Yeah, and that can help you feel less overwhelmed and burnt out and just kind of restore the joy to practicing medicine. And we all want that. So stick around after the episode or visit nuance.com slash discover DAX. That's N-U-A-N-C-E dot com slash discover dax a big thank you to all our listeners spread the love share this podcast with everyone you know every single person everybody as like every person you know leave a rating and review be honest you can tell us what you think we want to improve this thing as we go uh, later today we're going to share some of your own medical stories you can share yours at knock knock high at human content.com We also have a Patreon coming out with other members of this community. Uh, Early episode access. Check out bonus episodes where we react to medical shows and movies. And it's just a lot of fun. So come hang out with us. All right. We are back with Dr. DeShower. And there's one thing I wanted to to ask you about because, uh, you know, coming from an arts background, all of a sudden you're like, you're throwing yourself into med school. Like that's gotta be a tough transition. I know that that's something probably a lot of learners, a lot of students struggle with at least like thinking about doing that. Like, mm. oh, can I really make that change? Like, what's it going to be like when I, like that first couple weeks of med school where you got all these people that are coming from like biology background. Like right. I was like intimidated. A, I was like a cell yeah. and molecular biology <laughs> major. Like I kind of knew what was coming. Right. But I felt kind of bad for like the, the, you know, people that like were art majors and things who wanted to do medicine, but then were felt like they were a little bit behind. So can you speak a little bit to that experience? 
oh yeah, the sense of feeling behind, I was all over that. <laughs> that was, uh, it was all there. I mean, luckily I sort of knew my personality where I, I love to know the basics and kind of work in a stepwise fashion. That's what I prefer. Um, so I did take some undergrad courses before going into medical school. Like I, in the preparation of applying, there's some, I got to do some, learned that I loved organic chemistry. Who knew? That might have huh. been my alternative major. <laughs> you're, you're lying. There's no, there's no way. I do not, not believe you. It was like Lego no in way. your mind. <laughs> Oh my God. That's, that's, that's impressive. That's probably the most impressive thing that you've just, that you've said on this podcast so far that you love uh, organic. That should go on that. That's, I mean, she is a rheumatologist. Well, oh. Of course, like you could do anything, but um, <laughs> even organic chemistry, that should, as a rheumatologist, you can do anything, even organic chemistry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> but like, I kind of wish I'd taken things like anatomy because people came in there oh, yeah. knowing so much anatomy and physiology where I knew oh, yeah. pretty much nothing. And there was actually orientation week. We weren't even started classes, but you know, it was really fun. They would, they put us into groups and we did activities. And I still remember this one time we were out in a park, a beautiful day. They hand us this white t-shirt and one person in the group had to put it on. I'm like, oh, this is great. Then they give us markers. And first of all, I'm a bad drawer, so I'm already a little nervous. And then they say, okay, we're well, going to like draw the anatomy. It'll be fun. Don't worry. No pressure. And I had terror strike through me because <laughs> like all of us, right, you want, you're kind of a perfectionist or you would like to do your best. You just came out of like pre-med mindset where you're like really striving. Cutthroat. Yeah. Cutthroat. Every point matters. And you haven't really turned that part off yet to realize, okay, now I can actually just learn medicine. Um, and I was so scared that they were going to realize, like, I didn't even know where the spleen went. Like, I did not know which side of the body it was. And I was just like, don't give me that marker. <laughs> so yeah, it got better. It, it got better. Did you throughout. guess? Did you guess correctly? I did the classic evade the eyes. I will not touch that oh, marker. Yeah. I will not, I will not admit <laughs> what I don't know. <laughs> Well, the spleen, you know, that's, you know, do we really need the spleen? I, I know as a rheumatologist, you probably care about the spleen more than I do, but um, yeah. I, I don't know. Not, you can live not... without it, right? <laughs> See, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. People... Don't tempt him. His body will try. Yeah, well, <laughs> no. You know, I, I'm just saying I'd rather have a second liver. That's that's like, what what's the point? Like, wouldn't you rather, you know, have, I don't know. I'd that's agree with me. you. I would agree There's with you. I still like of... my spleen. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fine, I guess. There's going to be a lot of spleen apologists who yeah, are, yeah. are, are going to be at me in, <laughs> yep. in my mentions here. Um, okay, well, I have a little, uh, I devised a little game to oh. play that is like a, a arts and humanities driven game kind of um oh no now i've got a, that same on, nervousness <laughs> in honor of no you'll you'll probably do better at this than i, I i'm about to embarrass myself tremendously here uh okay so this is a game i wanted to try to incorporate like medicine and then music mm. uh, and so we're going to play a game called medical melodies okay medical melodies okay <laughs> Uh, so have you she ever, yeah, a little dubious. Uh, well, you should be, you should be. Uh, so have you ever played cranium? I think it's cranium. Do you remember that game? It's like, no. a, it's a board game cranium. No, there's a, there's a thing you can do in cranium. It's, it's, they're called humdingers where you, you have your teammate hum a song and the person has to guess what the song is. Okay. So that's, that's what we're going to do. Okay. okay. I am going to hum a song that has a medical theme to the title. 
Okay. Oh no, guys. Okay, let's let's give it a try. You better you better make sure that's entirely true. And is it always the title or is it no the, the song? The subject itself? of the song might not have anything to do with medicine, but okay. the title, the title specific, the title okay. could <laughs> maybe sometimes very loosely, <laughs> but still have a medical tilt to the the <laughs> title of the song. Okay. okay? Uh, <laughs> okay. And you're, you're going to guess, you're going to help. Okay? okay. Kristen, Kristen is going to okay, help. Good. I got help Kristen you, on my Shabon. team. I like this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> yeah, it's perfect. Okay. Oh God. All right. I can't believe I'm doing this. All right. Here's the first one. Oh, I know. Do you? I need more of this beautiful melody. Yeah, I think we should hear a little more. <laughs> what is it? You know what that one is. Staying Alive. Staying yeah, yeah, Alive yeah, yeah, yeah. by the Beatles. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Here's one. <laughs> I know it now. <laughs> I know it as well, but I don't know the name. <laughs> In the most delightful. <laughs> Spoonful of sugar. Yes. Spoonful of sugar. That's right. <laughs> well done. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. He's sweating. Am I, yeah, yeah. I am sweating a little bit. <clears throat> All right. Uh, let's see. Let's do something. Uh, we'll do something a little bit more. Well, no, this one's, I think, from like the 80s. I don't know. Um, all right. Here we go. Oh, God. All right. Uh, um, see, this is the other thing. I don't know if I'm like, even doing this correctly. Okay. I have no I'm totally idea. lost on this one. Tainted love. Oh, was it? I still don't know that one. <laughs> I know it, but I didn't think that away. was it. I've got <laughs> to get away from right. the Right, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Okay. It's, it's us. Here. It's not you, Will. Don't right. worry. Right. Yeah. This, no, it's absolutely me. Don't try to make me feel better. This She's is, Canadian. That's what terrible. she does. Yeah, yeah. I've got to apologize on your behalf. No. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, here's one. Here's one from, like, this century. Uh, okay. Uh Oh, bad love. Yes. Bad blood. Bad love. Bad what am I doing? Bad blood. blood. Taylor Swift. Bad, bad blood. Blood. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Bad, yeah. Bad I don't blood. know what I said. First, Taylor but... Swift. Good. Nice. You got hey, it. where's my where's my Beethoven at? You know, where's my Brahms? <laughs> oh, Come on, where are my boys? <laughs> <laughs> I have your homie. I have I have zero <laughs> classical music on here. Is there any medically There's themed classical music? There's not a lot of medically music. themed classical music. Mm, going there's on good here. symphony that um, where they reenact a bunch of stuff, and there's like there there's some stuff going on there, but um, no, not an easy humming one, I would say. <laughs> um, okay. Should we do one more? Uh, two more. Two more. Okay. I got two more. Okay. Okay. No, let's do one more. <laughs> let's, let's let's put me out of my misery here. Oh, it's trying. This one's a children's song. Okay. All right, I'll give you that clue, okay? Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Kristen, you're bum, killing it. Bum, it's so bum, good. Bum, ba, da, 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 da. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Knees and toes. 
Those are probably all uh, joints that you've treated. The head is not a joint. Well, except for the head. <laughs> Shoulders. True. What's What's your least favorite joint to inject? Ooh. Wow. Good point. Good question. That makes me squirmy. Well, I think maybe the, the most difficult, the about... most challenging maybe yeah. to learn or to. Yeah. Probably the ones you don't do as much, like weird places that you rarely oh, do. Yeah. So when it comes up, you, you're like, okay, let me let me go back and think about this one for a while. Yeah. But at least, you know, most of the time you can't do anything too wrong with a joint injection. I mean, you can, but it's not like surgery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Eventually the medication wears off, right? Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> That's kind of, the, kind of the same thing with Botox, right? <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you screw up Botox. yeah. Eventually, it'll Eventually go back it's to wear normal. Off. It'll go back to normal. So <laughs> it'll uh, be several months. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> For the record, I don't do Botox, but you know, I imagine that's what's like. Well, don't you inject it in people's eyes sometimes? Or not well, in the yeah, eyes, I, but no, yeah. I do, but I have not in a long time. I, I generally we have a we have an that. oculoplastic specialist that does all that that's stuff. Probably for, us. for the best. Um, I've heard that sometimes with severe eye twitching, people will actually, if it yes. won't go away, they'll actually, do, do you do that or who does it's, that? It's not even, so we do get, so I get patients every now and then they'll come in and be like, my eyes, my eyelids twitching, like what can you do about it? And most of the time, like you're not going to do anything about it yeah. because, you know, it's that we all get that little, mm -hmm. little That's twitch. annoying. It's yeah. whenever you have like hemifacial spasm yeah. where like you get you know, severe blepharospasm where the eyelids are just like squeezed so tight and the patient cannot get the eyelids open. Those are the patients that you give Botox What causes to. that? Um, you can get something called dolicoectatic uh, artery uh, that will, basically it's an artery close to the facial nerve that has a strange course that will kind of rub up against the facial nerve and cause you to have a spasm. Huh. Mm. Yeah. So that's just one thing. I don't know. There's probably others, but uh, this is, this is boring now. <laughs> this is... Uh, but I, I do know, I don't think I'll be humming anymore for quite some time. No encore? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, well, let's let's leave the the musical ability to people that actually know what they're doing. Maybe maybe next time, though, I'll, I'll incorporate a little bit of Beethoven. Yeah, or, exactly. Or Mozart. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's the funniest that. thing. I swear, with, with music, I focus so much, like, so much on the melody that my husband laughs at me because I just don't even hear the words. Like when people start, you know, they're all singing along. Oh, yeah. Like, I have no idea, but I'll play along. <laughs> I can right. play along the melody. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's take another break and then we will be right back with Dr. DeShower. All right, we are back. We're going to go with, uh, we're going to read some, a uh, couple of fan stories from uh, some, from some, some, from some of our <laughs> listeners. I'm starting to lose the ability to talk here. All right, and uh, we are going to react to these. I have not heard these stories. We're going to react to them with Shaban, who's going to uh, enjoy these, hopefully. <laughs> so our first story comes from Jen. Um, let's see, she says, this story is not the sort of thing it says this story is probably not the sort of thing you're after or it's not weird nor shocking and perhaps not many would find it hilarious good way to it's start a, a story Jen. Yeah. i thought i'd share it anyway as it involves ophthalmology and uh, highlights one of the things i find amazing about medicine uh i'm a hospital pharmacist in australia and i used to work in a small tertiary hospital that specialized in only a few areas one of which was ophthalmology there were multiple subspecialist ophthalmology teams in the hospital, including glaucoma, vitreoretinal, 
cornea and oculoplastics. That's actually one thing that people don't realize about ophthalmology. We have like seven or eight subspecialties. Like you can choose a part of the eye that's like 500 microns thick and specialize in that. It's just outrageous. It's crazy. Um, many of the patients who were admitted as inpatients were older. And one day, a patient admitted was admitted under the cornea team, went into atrial fibrillation. So there's a, a medical heart problem, stuff. a heart yeah. thing <laughs> on an ophthalmology team. Not great. The corneal fellow approached me as the ward clinical pharmacist soon after with the following rapid fire exclamations. This patient is an AFib. I don't know what to do. What should we do? <laughs> do we have digoxin? Apparently they did. I specialize in the eye and really only the front part of the eye. <laughs> the last line, last line makes me laugh whenever I think about it more than a decade later. That's very true. That is absolutely something I would say. <laughs> yeah. What are, what are you doing what with an do? inpatient ophthalmology service? That uh, doesn't, I don't know if I've ever seen that. I we have, he, I've never heard of that in Canada ever. It's amazing. Yeah. It's really hard to find an op ophthalmologist who's willing to come into the hospital. I gotta say, <laughs> there are a few places in the U.S. that they have ophthalmology emergency rooms. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, this is in Australia, so who this knows is, what they is, have? Who knows? There. All right, if uh, you know what, if you run an inpatient ophthalmology <laughs> service, send Get me an touch. email. Yeah. Get in touch. I have yeah. questions for you. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Jen, for that one. Our second story comes from Alyssa. So she says, I have one story worth sharing. So she's a personal support worker. I have one story worth sharing. It's not very long, but here it is. While waiting to interview for my home care job, I got to hear the gory details of some patient's anal cancer as he talked to the receptionist at the desk in the office I was sitting in. He wasn't even part of the agency. <laughs> a patient of the agency. He was... Just somebody who... Just chatting people up about his chatting, anal cancer. Chatting people up about, oh, you know what? That's what If you got a good story to tell about your own personal medical history, you know, you're going to tell the story. You sure are. <laughs> you sure Thank are. you both for those stories. Uh, you can send us yours, knockknockhigh at human-content.com. Um, Siobhan, thank you so much for joining us. Actually, one one other quick question for you. Um, yeah. uh, have you Did you watch Succession? I'm sure you probably have have, have yes. heard this or gotten this question before. Um, do you? How do you feel about it popularizing the the name <laughs> Shaban? It's true. I have I have mixed feelings on this, but I would say overall, <laughs> it's nice to get the name out there. I I'm amazed how many people now will say Shaban, yes, from Succession, and people now <laughs> I think want to call me Shiv, but I uh, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't heard that since I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah, mixed feelings. Oh, that's like a that's like a a known nickname of. Siobhan. Yeah. Yeah. Shiv. I used to get Shiv, Shivy when I was a kid, but oh, I haven't see, heard that in a really long time. I thought that was just like succession specific. I thought it was just like in that show. I didn't it realize that. It makes me think of shanking people. Right? Personally. It, yeah. Well, that's exactly. what you, you, sh you shank someone <laughs> with, with a, a Shiv. shiv. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I, don't I know. moved away from that as I, you know, went to medicine. I figured it was not a good <laughs> like, look. There's a certain personality <laughs> that can pull that off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, uh, so tell uh, our listeners where to find you because I'm sure they, they're. I, everybody should be following you on I'll just I'll just spoil it you're on YouTube and you have an amazing YouTube channel um, at violin.md yes thank you so much yeah I mean we have a lot more videos coming Check out. It out 
excited about yeah. it. And this has been so much fun. Like, thank you so much for inviting me. I just, I'll, it's been great chatting with you, both of you. Oh, it's oh, been you awesome. You too. Yeah. And really, really fantastic content. Uh, yeah. Especially if you're, if you're wanting like, like real explanations where you can like understand things that happen about the human body and about diseases. And uh, really, I admire your ability to connect with a general audience about a lot of these topics that's that's still very engaging and fun for a medical audience as well so uh you're certainly someone that i look up to on youtube so um uh i just i wish i could make engaging 15 minute videos but uh you'd have to know more medicine i would need to (laughs) yes that's 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 true so keep up the awesome work oh that's so nice of you thank you so much really appreciate it (laughs) all right take care Well, that was a lot of fun talking to Dr. DeShower. Uh, what a fascinating story. I love yes. hearing the, 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 the arts and humanities coming into medicine. That's right. uh, violin, that just seems like a, a really hard instrument to play. It does. And she started from such a young age. I kind of want to know. I mean, I kind of want to, but I'm also scared to know what, a, what it sounds like when a four-year-old plays the violin. Uh, well, you know, um, I don't know. Probably better than 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 your I, humming. Than I my humming, <laughs> and that I would sound right now if I picked up a violin. That's true. I don't know. It'd be right. just as bad, if not worse. Um, and uh, let's see. So, tell us what you thought of the episode. If you have any uh, guest suggestions, we're happy to hear them. Uh, and you can always reach out to us, knockknockhigh at human-content.com. That's our email. You can uh, visit us on any of our social media platforms. We're on all the things, all of them. There's like 15 of them. Just pick one and look for us. (laughs) We're there. You can hang out with us and our human content podcast family on Instagram and TikTok at human content pods. Thanks to all the wonderful listeners leaving feedback, leaving specifically the positive type of feedback. We really like that. (laughs) Uh, especially on these reviews constructive we, uh, constructive criticism is okay sometimes yeah, it's, it's though fine. you know it can Get, be a little spicy yeah tell it respectfully tell yeah. us yeah. How, what we can do better uh and um if you subscribe and comment on your favorite podcasting app or on youtube we can give you a shout out like carl carl yar 5281 on youtube commented on our recent episode with linda bluestein one of my favorite YouTubers talking about hypermobility. This made my day. Mine too. Yeah, you really love that one. I did. Full episodes of this podcast are up every week on my YouTube channel at D Glock and Flecken. We also have a Patreon. Lots of cool perks, bonus episodes, or where we where we react to things. I'm 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 gonna get, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna we're <laughs> almost there. Uh, hang out with other members of the Knock Knock High community. We are there and interacting and having fun. All right, don't you want to have fun? Everybody needs to have a little fun. Everyone likes fun. You get ad-free episode access, early ad-free episode access, interactive Q&A live stream events, and a lot more. Patreon.com slash Glockenflecken or go to Glockenflecken.com. Speaking of Patreon community perks, new member shout out to Marcella S, Paul S, and Christine O. Thank you all. Welcome. Welcome to the team. Shout out to all the Jonathans, as always. We got Patrick, Lucia C, Sharon S, Omar, Edward K, Stephen G, Ross Box, Jonathan F, Marion W, Mr. Granddaddy, Caitlin C, Brianna L, Dr. J, Chaver W, Jonathan A, Leah D, KL, Rachel L, and Ann P. Thank you all. A virtual Jonathan head nod to you all. Uh, and Patreon Roulette. 
shout out, random shout out to an emergency medicine tier patron. So I'll, I'll try to do this correctly. You, you told me how it sounded like a cat last time. <laughs> so I'll, that's a little bit more. That's a little, so, bit, that's a little bit more it's drum more something. Shout out to Jacob A for being a patron. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for listening. We are your hosts, Will and Kristen Flannery, also known as the Fleckens. A special thanks to our guest, Dr. Shaban Deshower, also known as Violin MD on YouTube. Check her out. Our executive producers are Will Flannery, Kristen Flannery, Aaron Corney, Rob Goldman, and Shanti Brooke. Our editor and engineer is Jason Portizo. Our music is Omer Binsvi. To learn about our Knock Knock Highs program disclaimer and ethics policy, submission verification, licensing terms, and have release terms, go to glockandplugin.com or reach out to us at knockknockhigh at human-content.com with any questions, concerns, the fun medical puns, uh, uh, fun non-medical puns, too, if you want. Like, we're, we're willing to hear all of your jokes. Knock Knock High is a human content production. Hey, Kristen, do you know why I got into medicine in the first place? To spend your evenings on documentation, of course. Uh, no. Actually, that never even crossed my mind. Mm, weird. I got into medicine to actually take care of patients, to mm. to be able to form relationships with them that and, is a and care reason. for them, to listen to them, to actually look at their eyeballs while I'm treating their eyeballs. Well, I would hope that you look at where you're treating. It's an important part of being an ophthalmologist, and it's easier than ever with the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX for short. This is AI-powered ambient technology. It's just in the room with you, and it helps you be more efficient and reduce clinical documentation burden. Uh, it basically lets you get back to being a physician and practicing the way you want to practice. So it's like having a Jonathan. It really is. To learn more about the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX, visit nuance.com slash discover DAX. That's N-U-A-N-C-E dot com slash discover D-A-X.